Welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. This podcast is centered around the question what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? Well, today we are stepping into the final five or four episodes of this season two of this podcast. We are going to be looking at a mini series called Someone Should Have Told Me. Now, the purpose of these talks is to be less of a sermon and more of a conversation starter for asking these deeper questions around these specific subjects. With that in mind, however, today's subject, it ended up being one that I tried to record and I tried to do multiple times and I came to the conclusion through mentors and advice of people that I trust that I needed to split this up into two episodes. And so with that in mind, today is part one of a two-part series called Money is a Problem. Before we get into today's message, I want us to pray. Father, I just ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would have your way. Jesus, I want to walk with you. And I know that those listening and those watching want to walk with you as well. Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom And that you would give us discernment to be able to hear the things that are from you and to let go of the things that are not from you. Jesus, we want to walk with you and we want to walk in your ways. We want all that we are and all that we do to bring glory and honor to you and you alone. So Father, I'm asking that you would speak to us today through this passage. I'm asking that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see exactly what it is that Jesus is saying in this teaching. We need you, Father. We need you, Spirit. We need you, Son. So please show up in this moment. Speak to us. We are listening. We love you and we trust you. We trust in your ways. So lead us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to be looking at Matthew 6, where Jesus teaches on money. Before we do that, though, I need to set the stage to why we are focusing on this passage and not other passages when it comes to this topic of money. Now, in context to Matthew, we are looking at Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. This Sermon on the Mount is actually within the backdrop of the Old Testament story where Moses was given the law at Mount Sinai and given direction for what the people of God would look like, what the Jews slash Israel would look like. This is important to note because in that story in Exodus and in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, what we see there is Jesus is saying to, or Yahweh is showing that what was lost in the garden when Adam and Eve made the decision that they made, that the relationship was blocked between God and humanity, that God was now going to restore this relationship through the law, through the new people of God. And what we see through the Old Testament is that this law was given to show us a new way of both cleansing ourselves from the sin of our life, but also from living in a new way to represent for those around us who were not living clean, that were not living new. And so why that's important to note is when we read the Old Testament in context from a New Testament perspective, we see that basically Israel could not live up to the law, that we needed a way through that wasn't going to be the law. You see, the law in and of itself was beautiful and good, 
but it could not in itself sustain people in walking out. It was too difficult. That's what Paul talks about in the letter that he wrote to the church in Romans, in Romans. And so to fast forward to Jesus teaching on the Sermon on Mount, it's so important that we understand that this teaching is actually super significant for all followers of Jesus. You see, it's significant because it is Jesus laying out the new way of the people of God. Now, of course, if we are listening to this and we are followers of Jesus, we know we cannot live in this way without Jesus. It is only through him that we are able to have the strength and the power and the grace through his spirit by the blood that was spilt that we can walk in this way. And so when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we have to understand that this is not just a teaching that basically basically says you're not good enough and you need me. Yes, it's saying that, but it also is saying that through me, you can live this way. If you want to know what my father's kingdom looks like, look at this teaching. This is the starting place. And it's through me that you will be able to live this way. This is important to know because that means within context, whatever Jesus is going to say in Matthew 5 and to the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he is saying this is a new way of being. This is what Christians, what followers of Jesus are to look like in God's kingdom. That is why when Jesus comes to the subject of money in his teaching at the Sermon on the Mount, that it's so important that we pay attention to everything that he says. Because this is giving us insights into how the Father not only defines money, but how the Father sees money in the role of the kingdom of God, in his kingdom. And so when we approach Matthew 6, before we we can even get into the passage We have to know that this passage is speaking to us about how God defines money. You see, no matter who you are today, you as a follower of Jesus need to have some sort of understanding, some sort of response to the question, what does the Bible say about money? Whether you like it or not, the Bible refers to money in an astronomical meant. I can't even say the word. It refers to the money a lot. It's actually surprising. You can go on Google and type in how many times does the Bible talk about prayer and how many times does the Bible talk about money and you might be surprised that it actually talks about money more than it talks about prayer. I think that's significant. I think that matters. I think that says something about the importance of understanding what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. Now, to go into the context of Matthew 6, remember Jesus is showing the disciples, he's showing you and I what is the new way of living. And now he's bringing in this subject of money. Now, for us, in hindsight, we get the passage in front of us. So we can see that Jesus is going to talk about money in this passage. But the disciples listening to this, they didn't know that that's where Jesus was going with the subject. And so it's almost like the image I get, because I think in images sometimes, is it's almost like Jesus is now in this transition in the Sermon on the Mount. He sees this hill and he's like, I'm going to bring you guys in top of this hill. And on top of this hill, you're going to get a new perspective, a God perspective, a father's, the father of all things perspective on what money is and what it isn't. 
The thing is, they don't know that on top of the hill, that's where they're going. All they are doing is taking, it's like they're taking Jesus, Jesus taking their hand and stepping them towards this new perspective. And so we have to look at this from that lens. And so if you have a Bible, you can go to Matthew 6 and we're going to, this is the English thing. Uh, this is the English standard version. So this is Matthew 6. And I would say his teaching on money begins in verse 19 and it goes all the way to verse 34. So this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus teaching the new way, the heavenly perspective, the Father's perspective on the kingdom of God. If you want to have a kingdom ethic, look at the Sermon on the Mount. And he is about to introduce the subject of money. What's surprising is how he does this. And I want us to pay attention. I'm just going to read it verse for verse and kind of just go back and forth with it. So I'm starting in verse 19. So he's taking the hand, right? He's taking the disciples and saying, I'm going to teach on money now. But they don't know that he's going to do that. So he starts with a almost like a hook. And he says this, Do not lay up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus begins by saying, asking this question, what are you treasuring in life? What are you putting value towards? You see, if you want to know where your heart is as a follower of Jesus, as his follower, the the basic place to start is to see what are you treasuring in life? Where are you putting your stock? Where are you spending your time? How are you spending your resources? What are you, what are you being orientated towards? Maybe is a way of saying it. And so Jesus begins by saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if you want to know where your heart is, look at where your treasures are. But he doesn't stop there. He continues. So now he's worked a little bit up the hill, so to speak, and he's stepping into another angle in this conversation. So from this place, he says, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So Jesus, he says, if you want to know where your heart is, look at what you're treasuring. And where your heart is, is where your focus, where your eyes are going to be. And where your eyes are, that's going to be the filter by which you live your life. So if you are focusing and valuing the wrong things in your heart, it will affect every area of your life. And this is where his teaching gets really interesting. So verse 24, this is if you're following along with my imagery, this is where I think Jesus takes them on top of the hill and surprises them with his implications. So he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And the word he uses for money is mammon. So Jesus says, if you want to know where your heart is, look at what you're treasuring. 
If you want and what you are, where your heart is, is what you're going to be focusing on and what you focus on matters because it is the filter by which you live your life. But then he introduces this other aspect and he says, you cannot serve two masters. You'll be devoted to one. You'll despise the other. And he says, you cannot serve money, God and money. You see, Jesus relates the treasure, the eyes, and your heart to money. He calls it mammon. He refers to it as a master. This is important to know because what we see in this teaching is that Jesus is personifying money. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is saying to us, money is not an object. Money is a power. You see, Jesus had a way of describing money. He could have used any word, but instead he chose this word mammon. This is important because mammon wasn't a word that was associated with a religious belief of a temple. It was a goddess. And so when Jesus says mammon, and he also says you can't serve two masters, he's referring to money as a master. He's saying that money is not an object, but it is a power. And it's not just a power. It's a power that demands devotion and it is a power that will force you to despise God and love it instead. That has many implications if that is actually what Jesus says. And I want us to continue this conversation in Matthew 6. So this is verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So in the context of what we are valuing, what we are looking for, and he's saying ultimately money is promising these things, he's now saying, sorry, he is now saying that money is going to promise these things like eating and drinking and what we're going to wear. It's going to use those things to distract us. Let's continue to read. So this is verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? So Jesus takes them up this valley and he says, money is not an object, but it is a power that demands sacrifice. It demands devotion. And if you think about it practically, it's true. It is impossible for anyone watching this, listening to this, or me speaking this to have money without a sacrifice being made. If money is a gift, if money is gifted to someone, That is the sacrifice that that person who has the money has to make in order to give it. If you are buying something like a service or you are trading something with money, there is an exchange that happens. There is a sacrifice that happens. Money demands sacrifice. And Jesus is saying, and it's so interesting he talks about this birds, because what does he say? He says, these birds neither sow nor reap nor store. Remember, this is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' perspective on money. What do we do with money? Even in this day, it's the same thing that we do 2,000 years later. We sow it. We work for it, right? We sow 
And then what happens when we put in the work, when we make the sacrifice, we receive it, we, we uh, reap it, and then we store it. That's like putting it into the bank account. That's like storing it in your house for a rainy day, whatever it may be. Jesus is saying, this is what money demands. This is the way that mammon demands to be served. He is saying that mammon says, you have to work for this. You have to earn it. And when you earn it and when you have it, you have to keep it. Because if you don't keep it, you're not going to have it for a rainy day. You're not going to have control. And yet, Jesus says, the birds don't follow this system and the Father provides for them. He is saying that for followers of Jesus, the way that we associate, the way that we relate to money is not on its demands. We don't look at money and the demands of sacrifice and the ways in which we receive it and say we follow suit. No, followers of Jesus, <laughs> followers of Jesus, do not have to submit to mammon's promises or demands. We live in a different way. We serve a different master who works outside of that to provide for us. Let's continue. He then says, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? This is kind of interesting because he's saying money is, a, is not an object, it's a power and demands sacrifice, but it also promises control. And yet Jesus here is revealing the control that money gives you is temporary. It cannot even add one hour to your day. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Jesus does two things here. You see, Solomon was one of the richest men that was ever in existence. And he's saying, even with Solomon and the wealth and the power and the money that he had, his pursuit after beauty, his pursuit after significance, his, his pursuit after control, even with all the power that money gave Solomon, he was not able to be as beautiful as the flowers of a field. You see, money promises not only security and control, it promises significance. And Jesus is saying to you and I as followers of Jesus, where do we find our significance? Is it in what we have and what we don't have? Or is it in what Christ through the, that? What is it what the Father says about us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are sons and daughters? Oh, this gets me so juiced because there are so many of us and myself included. We can fall to the trap of mammon where we believe that our sufficiency, that our ability to provide for our families, that our ability to provide for our neighborhoods, that our security, that our significance is found in whether we have money or not. And it's not true. It is not how Christians identify. It is not how we find security or hope. 
You of little faith. He is saying, do you trust that what the Father has said about us is true? That your significance, your worth, your value, and even your provision, how you are going to eat, what you are going to wear, what you are going to drink, is not provided by your works, but by what He has done through the Son. Oh, this is good news if you could only hear it. This is called someone should have told me and I hadn't, I didn't have anyone tell me this. And it's in the word. It's there. You just have to read it and you have to pay attention to the words that he's saying. Oh, it's so important. Why I'm crying is because this is such a liberating message because there are so many. Forget people who aren't even following Jesus. There are so many followers of Jesus that have fallen trap to mammon's promises, to mammon's demands. We are sacrificing so much that the Father has never designed us to sacrifice. Let me be very clear right now. Am I saying that we should not be working or having responsibility or having a job? Not at all. We're going to get into that in part two. Just real quick, you can see all over scripture that there is a godly work. There is a godly responsibility. Paul, for example, was a tent maker. Everyone in scripture had a job. Okay, I'm not saying that Jesus is saying jobs are bad. No, no, no. Please, that is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, jobs are not our ultimate provision. It's not. It's a lie. It is a lie. Let me keep reading. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, Jesus is not saying to us that material wealth is evil or that it's wrong. What he's saying to us is how we receive these things and what we do with them truly matters. And I think he's saying something even deeper than that. And he's actually saying to us that when we seek his kingdom first, that when we follow his ways, the father will supernaturally provide for us through money, through all sorts of things. You see, there is a way for us to handle money. There is a way for us to relate to money. There is a way for us to use money in the kingdom of God. And what I want you to see in Jesus' teaching is that he is saying to us, he's saying to you and I, that money left on its own is not neutral. It is evil and it is a power. It is mammon and it is bent towards bad things. And so as a Christian... As a follower of Jesus, just like you and I are broken in sin without Christ and we need Jesus, we need his forgiveness, we need his love, we need his mercy, and we need his, it's called sanctification, it's becoming more like him. There is a needed justification and sanctification of money. Now, next week or whenever the part two of this episode comes out, we're going to talk about practically what do we do with this message? How do we respond to this message? But right now, I don't have time to get into that. But what I can say is this. If you are not intentional with money, money will be intentional with you, period. Period. I'll say it again slower. If you are not intentional with money, as a follower of Jesus, both in how you are earning money and what you are doing with the money that you have. 
If you're not being intentional with it, it will be intentional with you and it will always draw you away and demand sacrifice, demand devotion, demand love. That is what Jesus is saying here from how I understand it. And this has many, many implications that I'm not going to get into right now because I don't have the time. But I will say this. We we need to be intentional with money. Money is a reality. Money is something that is going to be with us until the new heavens and new earths. So until that happens, we are going to have to use it. We are going to have to earn it. We're going to have to do those things. I'm not saying that Jesus is not saying that. Okay, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that Jesus is telling us that money is not an object. That is a power And that has many implications. That does not mean we go into it lightly. Jesus is saying we need to be extremely intentional with how we receive money and what we do with that money. I'm not really sure how to close this. And so I'll finish with verse 34 and see where we go. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. You see, I think there's some of us who might be hearing this teaching for the first time in this way. And some of us have accidentally submitted to the demands of mammon. We have bought into the lie that we have to serve this thing and that we have to make every sacrifice in order to have it. And Jesus is telling us in this passage, no, that is not how the new people of God live. That is not how the new people of God see money, earn money, and use money. We will earn it, see it for what it is, evil and broken and a power. But we will then seek his kingdom, God's kingdom. Money will not dictate the things that we do. It will not dictate whether we start certain things or whether we stop certain things. Money will not have the last say. Jesus can sanctify it. Jesus can set us free from the powers of it and use it for his glory. Just like he used the cross. Jesus used something evil and turned it towards good. So this happens all over scripture. But I think many of us, myself included, which is why this thing is called Someone Should Have Told Me, didn't know that money was one of those things. That we need to be very intentional with it. So that's the one area. I think there are Christians who have accidentally fallen into this trap. And I'm telling you, there is freedom in Jesus' name for you to be broken from, broken off from the demands of mammon. There is freedom for you to live in. You do not have to submit to its ways. Give it to Christ. He will provide. He will provide ways for you to earn money in a way that's glorifying to him in his kingdom. And again, next week or whenever the next episode is, we'll talk about practically what that looks like. So that's the one person. The second person I want to talk to, there is an anxiety for some of us that comes when it comes to money and security and having material things and being without. There are some of us listening to this that are struggling so much with our financial situation. And I want you to know that when you submit yourself to Christ, when you surrender yourself to him and you enter into his kingdom, when you receive your adoption as sons and daughters, there is a new perspective that we have on money. 
You see, Paul in Philippians, he says, I have had much and I have had little, but I've learned in all things that it is through Christ who strengthens me. You see there, Paul is telling us that there is a way to get much. He's not saying resources are bad. He's saying he's had it, right? But he's saying he's gotten it through Jesus's means, through Jesus's ways, which is what we're going to talk about next week. But he's also saying, even when he's had nothing, even when the money is not coming in and it's not adding up and the bills are just rappling over and over and over, the father through the son has given him strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that you and I get to hold on to today. That is something that you and I get to put our trust in, is in the father's provision and who he says he is and who we are to him. So I'm just going to pray. So Father, I ask that right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would set us free from the bondage that many of us have unintentionally walked into. You did not design us to be fearful of having little. That is why you said, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For today has enough troubles. You're saying you have us. You are for us. God, if this message is true, if this is actually the truth of what money is in your kingdom and how you see it, then what you're telling us is that you are going to provide for us. That you are going to give us more than enough, whatever it is that we need to be able to complete the work that you have for us on this planet. You love us. You take care of the birds. How much more will you take care of us? Oh, Father, I ask that right now, anyone listening to this or watching this that is under just a crippled amount of fear around finances, that you would set them free right now. Lord, I ask that you would give them a revelation of who you are, that you are provider, that you are faithful, that you are good. Jesus, for any of us that have submitted to the rules of mammon, that have submitted to the sacrifices that have been made, Lord, I ask that you would show us the new way, that you would show us the way to seek your kingdom first in righteousness. Because yes, Lord, there is a way for us to use money for your glory. You can sanctify it. You can use it for your kingdom. But Father, we have to bring it to you. So Lord, we bring our feelings, we bring our checkbooks, we bring our bank accounts, we bring our values, the way that we perceive money, we bring our treasures before you and we say, you can have it all, Lord. Do whatever it is that you please. Jesus, we want you. We don't want ourselves. We want you, God. We want to know you more. We want to grow deeper in you. Oh, Father, I just also ask that if there's things that I've said in this message that are not of you, if this is not of you, would it be forgotten? Would it be laid to rest? But Jesus, if this is actually what you're saying, if this is actually what you're doing, I pray that you would bring freedom in Jesus' name. That we would be a generous people. That we would be a people known for our generosity. Known for intentionality with the money that we have coming in and what we do with it. Thank you, Lord that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are provider and that you have given us a way to live, that you have given us a path to walk in. You have not left us. You have not left us to our own devices, to our own feelings, to our own thinkings. No, you have provided a way through Jesus Christ alone. And Jesus, we choose to walk in your way. We choose to submit to your teaching, whether I had the right interpretation of this passage or whether there's a total different way of understanding it. Lord, we want to submit to your ways, not mine, not anyone else's. 
We love you and we trust you. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope that you are feeling encouraged and challenged, but not condemned. (laughs) Because that is not my heart. I'll tell you, when I was studying this passage and working it through, even for Kara and I personally, we have made different decisions with our money even in the last six months because of this teaching, because of this understanding that we're having about what mammon is. Now, like I said, I I normally, if you've been following along in this season, you'll know I love going practical. I think the Bible is incredibly practical, but today I have not gone practical at all. That is going to be in the part two of this series. And so if you're wanting to understand how does this actually flesh out, what does this actually look like? Because again, I'm not saying that Christians just don't touch money. No, we're going to have to. But there's a way that Jesus brings forth through the kingdom and his righteousness. There, That that statement there has so much implication. And so we're going to look at that in part two of this message. But for now, I hope that you, that, that you work through this passage on your own and that you come to the conclusions that you need to come to. I love you and I hope that you have a great week. Peace. Peace.